Thanks, Miguel. Um, I, I, sometimes whenever I hear the song that goes before the sermon, I hope that the sermon will be better than that song. <laughs> I'm not sure if this one will be, but here we go. Okay. Um, so good morning, church. My name is Martin Kang. I am the communications manager. I do IT stuff. I'm in the back doing video production stuff on Sundays. And every once in a while, like once a year, I give a sermon. And this is that day. <laughs> so, so I've been attending Solana Church for four and a half years now. I've worked as a youth director in the past, so I would give like messages every here and there. Um, so I've experienced with this, but I still get nervous. I mean, I'm actually less nervous than I thought it would be, but here we are. And I'm so thankful, though, to, have to be given the opportunity to be able to serve my church, our church, um, by sharing God's word with you this morning. Okay, so let me pray before we start. Lord, Father, um, as I come before you and as we come before you together, Lord, I pray that you would meet us here, that your spirit would move. Um, there's so much words that can come out of my mouth. There's so many words that we can hear. But Lord, we need your spirit to give us understanding. We need your spirit to not only help us understand, but like to sink into our hearts. And not just sink into our hearts, but Lord, to come out in our decisions and our acts in the way that we love people and serve people. And for all that ha to happen, we can't do this on our own. Lord, we need you. So Lord, we pray for your spirit to work here. May Christ be present this morning. In your son's name I pray, amen. So I think we all know that the answer is love, right? Love is the answer to all the problems that we often face. Um, when I think about racism in American society, when we think about the abortion debate, when we think about the life of the unborn or the woman facing impossible circumstances or situations in their life, like love, right? Love is there. Like, either it's because you love the unborn or because you love this woman who's, who's struggling through all these challenges, right? When you think about economic injustice, uh, market economy said you deserve what you work for. But others would say that love means everyone deserves a living wage and to be able to pursue what they want, right? When we think about homelessness and poverty, some people say community love means everyone deserves to have a, a roof over their heads, right? On the other hand, some people will say, but justice matters, and you reap what you sow, right? And that is important too, okay? Some people look at politics and say, like, there's a concern of losing their way of life that they want to pass out to future generations, so therefore, because of the love for that, they're going to be advocating certain views. Whereas others will be concerned about future liberties that are going to be lost, and roadblocks, or roadblocks to future progress, and that affects them, right? When we think about climate change, pandemics, wars, any number of things, there's a struggle of love, right? And we even see this in churches, right? We see this in our own church. We have disagreements. We realize we don't love each other as we ought to. And, and it's usually over things that we hold very deeply and that we cherish and we love. And for many, we want the other to sacrifice and give up their stubbornness or their flawed thinking just so that I can have what I value to be manifest and what I value to be, and what I love to be, uh, to be at the forefront, okay? So there's a graphic um, that's been going around Instagram. Um, it's by At Salt and Gold Collection that shows Jesus washing different uh, people's feet. 
So here we see Trump and Biden just washing his feet. We see a, a cop and a prisoner. Next slide. Washing, Jesus washing their feet. We see someone of the LGBTQ community and then a, a girl on her cell phone, right? Like, Jesus washing their feet. And at the end, we see Jesus washing Judas's feet and a Christian, Christian's feet. And when, we, when I look at these images, like, it gives me pause because it makes me wonder, right? This, there's so much weight to these images and yet, uh, yeah, but the, for me, there's a conflict, right? On one hand, we're going to see um, people who see something extremely beautiful. Like, we ought to love as Jesus loved everyone, especially Christians. We should care for everyone as Jesus did, right? But there's going to be others who look at this and think it's a little too touchy-feely. It's a little too idealistic. There's more to who Jesus is. There's more problems in this world that we can, like, something like this, good thought, but the reality of the issues that we face isn't really going to solve that problem. And for me, I'm sort of in the middle of this. I couldn't double tap to like this, right? Because for me, I got stuck between these two places. And whenever social media, like, stops to make you think, like, you've broken social media, right? Because it's not meant to make you think deeply about things, right? And, but if love is the answer, like, why does it always seem to fall short, right? Why does it seem to fall short in our, in our partisan divided culture? I see this in our church. I see it in my personal relationships. I see it in the news all the time. And I feel like a confused and lonely 20-year-old Billie Eilish, right? If you don't know Billie Eilish, she's a young Grammy Award-winning, talented song singer and songwriter with her brother Phineas, and they just released a song um, called Title TV. And let me read, I won't sing this. I'll just read a little of part, some of the lyrics. It goes, I don't want to talk right now, I just want to watch TV, right? I put on Survivor just to watch somebody suffer, maybe I should get some sleep. Sinking in the sofa while they all betray each other, what's the point of anything? I'll try not to starve myself just because you're mad at me, and I'll be in denial for at least a little while. What about the plans we made? The internet's gone wild watching movie stars on trial while they're overturning Roe v. Wade. Now all my, of my friends are missing again. Because that's what's happened when you fall in love. You don't have the time, you leave them all behind. And you tell yourself, it's fine, you're just in love and I don't get along with anyone. Maybe I'm the problem, maybe I'm the problem. And maybe I, this keeps going. Maybe I, maybe I, maybe I'm the problem, maybe I, maybe I'm the problem. Baby I, baby I, baby I'm the problem. And the question is like, am I the problem, right? Are we the problem? This song ends with Billy singing the closing verses with an arena full of people, right? Singing, maybe I, maybe I'm the problem, right? Are we the problem? So even within our own church, again, why does love seem to fall short? Is being like Christ and humbly serving one another not enough? Is it something Christ can do, but something his own, his church can't do, right? For this, with Billy, with our church, let's look at the Bible and to the text of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Join me as we read this encounter Jesus' disciples have with him and the night before he's crucified, and we'll show, uh, it'll show how much he loves them and how much he loves us. Okay. Um, so let me read from our scripture reading today from John chapter 13, verse 1 through 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, 
When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Amen. So from these verses of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, there are three important truths about God's love that the disciples encounter, though they don't really understand at that time. So the first one's going to be, it's the greatness of Christ and the gospel. The second, the washing of one another's feet. And lastly, the life we have is a life that serves. Okay. So first point, the greatness of Christ and the gospel. So usually when we think of the story, um, we think of visuals like we saw earlier, right? We immediately think of a serving heart of, God, of Christ. Jesus served his disciples, washed their feet, and he said, you too, right, wash one another's feet. But the actual primary thing that the, the foot washing is pointing to is actually Jesus' um, sacrificial death on the cross, which is happening the very next day, right? It's not even 24 hours later that Jesus is going to be crucified. So trying to make this point, and we look at verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. Right. Throughout the scriptures or in the New Testament, when you see Jesus' ministry, it always seems to be saying that, oh, his hour had not yet come. Right? But at this moment, it actually does finally say that his hour, knowing that his hour had come, like his mission is coming to an end in this life. Right? Um, and what's great about this verse, there's this part that I love about it where it says, he loved them till the end. Right? That could mean that he lived until the end of his ministry, but it's better to understand it that he loved his disciples to the full extent possible, right? And this is going to be displayed, obviously, at the cross, but it's this whole leading up to the anticipation of being able to display the full love that he has for his disciples, right? It's something that's so important and crucial to him. Um, verse 3 goes on, it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, they had come from the Father and was going back to God. 
Again, mission accomplished, right? Mission done. I've done everything I'm meant to do. Now I'm going back to God. My earthly ministry is coming to an end. One big thing still to do, but like coming to an end. And again, like displaying to his disciples what his love really looks like by washing their feet. Um, and we're going to see Jesus' movements, right? These actions that he takes from the supper table down to his disciples' feet and back to the supper table again. And let me lay that out for you. I'm going to say that this shows, this is symbolic of Jesus' earthly ministry. Right? So we see first that he gets up from eating. They're laying down, they're probably, or reclining at the table, eating, and Jesus gets up. What does he do next? He takes off his outer garments. This is youth ministry talk. Like, imagine me taking my garments off. How uncomfortable that would be. But anyway... <laughs> And then he wraps a, a towel around his waist, fills a water basin, and he gets down and washes his disciples' feet. Right? To the disciples, this is like all crazy stuff going on. Right? Um, for us, if like a pastor did this, eh, no big deal. This is what pastors do. Right? It's like a sign of humility. We sort of like seeing doing this. Um, pastor Paul last week spoke about the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. And we see this as an act of love. Right? But to the disciples of this time, even seeing their Lord and their master in servant's clothes was dishonorable. Right? This like, oh, no, no, no. Why are you wearing that? Right? Just as like, I, I took my clothes, oh, keep your clothes on, right? And then it goes on even further that feet washing even at the time was demeaning work, right? In the historical context, the disciples may have been honored themselves to wash Jesus' feet, but they wouldn't have never washed each other's feet. That's not how it worked. And never would they have wanted Jesus to wash their feet. That makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and especially as their Lord and as their rabbi, that's not something, and someone that you follow, that's not what you do, right? And literally, the disciples are shocked into silence. No one says anything but Peter, right? And Peter talks in like incredulous fashion, as he typically does. So when Jesus comes up to him and is about to wash his feet, Peter says, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus says, what I'm doing you do not understand, but later you will understand, Right? What's great about all these lines is that he really doesn't understand because he keeps going, right? He says, and then he says, no, you'll never wash my feet. You don't understand, but you'll never wash my feet, right? And then Jesus goes on and says, unless I clean you, you have no part with me. And then Peter, again, goes a little crazy, says, like, wash my hands and head, right? He says, now go all the way, right? Um, and what's so clear is that Peter and the disciples don't understand, right? Jesus says they don't understand. And the thing that they don't understand is the cross, right? They don't understand what Jesus is about to do. And that's what Jesus is implying. They're going to understand this one day. They're going to understand what this feet washing is really about. And it's about his sacrificial death on the cross, right? So if the humility, the serving act of Christ, taking off his outer garments, putting on a towel, washing his disciples' feet, is an unbelievable act of humility and grace, what's going to happen the next day to the disciples is unimaginable. It's like you can't even consider that Jesus is going to go on the cross die for their, take on their sins, die for them, like, does not make sense whatsoever. It's a hugely, hugely humbling act, humble, like a humble act that they would not comprehend, they cannot comprehend, right? And that's why, like, Jesus is giving, like, a real, like, small symbol of feet washing. You can maybe get this. 
that leads to something so much greater, like of Christ dying on the cross. Okay. So after that, watch his feet. He gets up, takes off the towel, towel puts on his outer cloak, sits down, and, and resumes, right? Resumes this dinner, resumes talking. Um, skip that part. Yeah. So, no, no, don't skip nothing. Okay, so <laughs> the narrative structure here, right? You see the going down and then the coming back up. Is a, it's a Jewish like, literary tactic where it's meant to emphasize what's in the middle of this, right? This whole process is supposed to emphasize that the significance of the foot washing or the significance of the cross and, and Jesus' whole ministry. Um, and though the disciples don't understand it now, like 30 years later, Paul writes a letter to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and they clearly understand what Jesus is doing here, right? That reads, um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11 reads, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what the foot washing does is that it points to Jesus' earthly ministry. And what he came to do was to die on the cross, to wash our sin, right? And there's something noticeably significant, though, about this foot washing, Right? Because Jesus says, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Right? So Jesus takes that and lets them know that his own are washed. Right? They're clean. And washed already and don't need to be cleaned again except for their feet. I mean, think about this. Imagine you're going on a date or, you, or your child brings a kid home and a friend home, and somehow the conversation, I don't know how this conversation goes this way, goes into how often you shower or how often you bathe, right? And this person, without shame, tells you that he or she bathed once in their life, and that's all they ever did. And they occasionally wash their feet, but they bathed once. This makes no sense, right? Like, I, uh, I won't go there. <laughs> I nothing, no, um, yeah, but the reality is, like, there's something deep going on here, right? I mean, I would at least hope that I'd bathe a couple, like, a few times a week, more than a couple times a week, a few times a week. And, but the reality is, is that there's something deep and spiritual going on here, okay? Um, so, it, yeah, so there's something, and there's going on deeply spiritual and deeply eternal. It reminds me of John chapter 6, verse 3, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Like here he says, if you are bathed by me, you will never need to be bathed again, right? That once you're clean, you are fully clean, okay? It's something that God does, something that Jesus does for his own. Jesus does, the, does for those who are in Christ. It is something that's permanent, something that's weighty, that has eternal significance and eternal consequence. And it's something that the disciples don't even know has happened to them, 
right? He says they're clean, but like, we don't know what this, what this was like, right? He makes the point that one of them, even though their feet have been washed, is not clean, and that's Judas um, Iscariot, right? So this reality is for those who believe in Jesus, that what he did was exactly what we needed, and the price that needed to be paid by his own life, okay? Um, there's a classic hymn that sings, my hope depends on nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand, right? That's a confidence that a Christian can have, right? That we put our hope and our trust in what Christ has done for us. Our salvation is like being washed by Jesus Christ himself. Like you no longer need to bathe in anything else. You are washed with his blood, right? You have drank the living water. You have eaten the bread of life, right? That's something that's so precious and so valuable that Christ has given us, okay? So it's a complete and finished work, but our common culture and culture narrative is that life is all about self-improvement, right? That we gradually grow, we gradually become better at things. The narrative of progression is extremely strong to us. But in, what happens in Christianity is that the cleansing happens first, right? The theological term for this is justification by faith, right? In the courtroom of God, we're declared righteous. We're declared right and good before God by trusting in what Christ has done for us, right, and accomplished on the cross. And that's where we start from. So the question I pose to all of us is like, do you know Christ, right? That your whole being needs to be washed, not just a little part here and there, but it's our whole bodies. Every part of our body needs to be washed. This reaches into how we spend our money. This goes into our family life, our day-to-day relationship with God. It goes into our work-life balance. Are we, are we making good use of our time? It goes into our sexuality and our sexual lives as well. It goes deep. And it's not just some areas that need to be washed. We need to say, I'm broken here. I'm broken there. Um, I'm broken everywhere. I can't manage this without going into spiritual bankruptcy. I don't know how to do this in a way, to live my life in a way that honors you without condemning myself. And I can't do it in a way that truly serves other people. Right? And it's by us recognizing that, that no matter how much I try, no matter how much I try to clean my, the, the sin in my life, um, it's just like an old dirty rag that you're trying to clean. Um, if you know me, I wear hats. Um, my hats get dirty. Um, and I have not clean, I've worn hats for at least five, six years. I've never washed my hats, right? <laughs> yes, but procrastinating for this, I started washing my hats, right? <laughs> So I started washing my hats, and I looked online, there's this whole way to do it. And like, I would spend 10, 15 minutes putting it in, shaking, shaking, like washing it, hanging it up to dry. And when you hang it up to dry, it starts dripping, right? And I see the water, and it's like yellow, right? <laughs> so like, gotta do it again, do it again, do it. Like, I think I washed this one hat four or five times, right? And still, it's still dirty, right? And it sounds good. It, it, when you see this hat, it'll look clean. But if you look into the depths of it, it's dirty. I'll show you next time. Anyways, but that's sort of what our sin is like. Like, it's sort of like Lady Macbeth saying in Macbeth, like, um, out damn spot. You're trying to get this out, but you can't get it out, 
okay? Um, and it's the brokenness and there's sin, there's guilt that we just can't wish out, wash out. It doesn't sometimes have to be something that we do ourselves, but if other people's sins get into our own lives, we're victims by that. And when some things that just do not seem to wash out anymore, right? Or if, if it's sins that we've committed against other people, right? And that even like, how do I pay for that? How do I clean that up, right? We can't wash these things out. But in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, um, God makes this promise. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, you shall be as wool. Right? And Jesus came into this life, into this world, to take away the sins of the world. Right? This is how he loves his own. This is how he loves us. Okay? It's because of the magnitude and weight of what Jesus has done. Only after that does Jesus tell us how we ought to live. Right? He lays out what he's done for us and now is like, wash one another's feet. Right? And that goes into the second point, washing one another's feet. On one hand, Jesus is washing his disciples' feet and is pointing toward the cross. But in the explanation to Peter, on the other hand, it shows that, his, that feet washing is progressive right? and continual, even for those who have been saved, who've been washed already. Right? Theologically, this is called sanctification. Right? The process of not only being declared good, but actually inwardly becoming good okay? um, and becoming good before God. So Jesus says, um, verse 12, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Okay. Um, and later, like throughout this night, Jesus is repeatedly going to be saying to his disciples, like, love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another, right? Jesus is making the point, like, when you're washing other people's feet, you're loving them, right? And love other ones as I have loved you and shown you. Um, at, within a church setting, we can easily categorize this as, like, oh, you should serve, right? Just like we gave the announcements, welcoming, coffee donuts, like, we want you to serve, right? But at the heart of it, um, we do, yeah, we do want to serve each other, and we want to serve the church, but at the heart of what we're really asking people to do and wanting people to do is to serve and to love each other, okay? Um, and in Paul, in Paul in Philippians chapter 2 prefaces the why of the character of Christ with what we do in response to him, right? So he says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation, participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full in accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or of conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So what Jesus is displayed is that in our ongoing walk in this life, our feet are going to get dirty, right? We're going to be encountering sin in this life. We're going to encounter new problems that we never knew we were going to encounter. We're going to go through different life situations that exposes us to areas that we never knew we were going to be weak in, and we're going to get dirty. We're going to notice how much we're influenced by the world than we thought we would be, and we're, we buy into the values of the world. We are going to get dirty in this life and in this world, no matter when you were saved, right? No matter what great experience you had, we're going to get dirty, okay? But Jesus says here to wash one another's feet. 
And we're reminded of, that points us back to the full cleaning that we've already experienced. And because of that, we're able to truly help each other, love each other, care for each other, and get into the nitty gritty of each other's lives. It's like getting in between the toes of each other's lives, under the, like in the cuticles, like in the toe jam, right? Some gross, bad places, maybe more, some, more for some than others, like getting the bunions, the calluses, like dealing with all this stuff in each other's life, not a pretty picture, right? But that's what we're meant to do, right? Um, like Peter, I want to say, you're never going to wash my feet, right? And you might say the same thing. But if we don't wash one another's feet, like Jesus says to Peter, then you have no part of me, right? It's so vitally important that we get deep and dirty into each other's lives, right, as Christians. We need to be dealing with the sin that's there and the difficulty um, that comes with it. Uh, and really, this is no easy task. Um, I recently read a book by Michelle Zotner um, titled Crying in H Mart. It's a memoir she wrote about her Korean, uh, Korean-American mother who's passing away, and from cancer and the pain, the tension, anguish, be it the deep love that she experiences, but also the deep um, pain of loss that she has to go through. And in that book, there's something that her mother taught her, and it sort of like struck a chord with me. She said, um, some of the earliest memories I can recall are of my mother instructing me to always save 10% of yourself. What she meant was that no matter how much you thought you loved someone or thought they loved you, you never gave all of yourself. Save 10% always, so there's something to fall back on. And she finds herself later realizing that even her mom had held back her 10%, right? Her love from her own daughter. And even the relationship, like, when I think about this and see the relationship of a mother and a child and her daughter, it can be so difficult and so limiting. How is it that we here could really love each other, right? In a deep and real way. Um, the only way we can do that is to remember the one who gave up everything for us. Did not spare 10%, right? To, gave us everything. Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son but gave up all for us, how will he not also with him gracious give us all things? Um, verse 38 goes, For I am sure that neither life Death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, right? It's like remembering the love of Christ. Um, I recently heard a three-hour interview, this is procrastinating again, three-hour interview of the New York Times columnist David Brooks, um, and he was just sharing about his life. And one of the quotes there, again, caught my attention, was um, he says that there are these moments of suffering in the valley, the painful moments in life that can either break you or break you open. Breaking is when you get fearful. Something bad happens, and some people just get fearful, and they close in on themselves. Often they act angrily and lash out at others because they're fearful. And there's a saying that pain that is not transformed gets transmitted, and often you're around people who are very hostile and angry, and usually something that starts deep inside, and they just cover it up, cover it over. But other people are broken open. They discover in those low moments the really vulnerable parts of themselves, the nerves that are exposed, and decide they're going to live in a way that stay exposed. Because when I expose these soft, tender nerves, I'm able to relate with others. I'm able to be a better person. I'm able to be a more caring and loving person. And when we think about Christ, this is what he does for us on the cross. 
Um, it means we have to take off our outer clothing, bear our hearts open, remain exposed, soft, and tender, and humble, right? And that's so hard to do. Um, when I'm able to take off my outer clothing, what I think is best about myself, what I take pride in, uh, what I use to protect myself, and I believe to be my identity, it's me laying that all down in order for me to truly serve another. Um, I listen to Kendrick Lamar. Does anyone else listen to Kendrick? K-Dot? Okay, anyways, not many. <laughs> so this might be the first time someone raps on stage here. But he has a song titled N95, right, meaning the N95 mask. And to give him credit, he's won a Pulitzer Prize for one of his albums. He's explored the duality of man, the struggle between good and evil. He dives deep into the paradoxes of existence and human nature. And this is how this song goes. Okay. <sighs> I'm not going to wrap it, okay? <laughs> we'll see what happens. I might just start going. So the song goes, take off the foo-foo, take off the cloud chase, take off the Wi-Fi, take off the money phone, take off the car, take off the car loan, take off the flex and the white lies, take off the weird, weird jewelry, take off the fabricated steams and the microwave memes It's the real world outside, take it off, right? Take off your idols, take off the fake deep, take off the fake woke, take off the I'm broke, I care, take off the gossip, take off the new logic that if I'm rich, I'm rare, take off the Chanel, take off the Dolce, take off Birkin bag, take it off, take all that designer off, right? And what do you have? You're ugly, right? Take that all off, and at the heart of it, you're ugly, right? And that is like, it's, he's like stabbing, right? Like all these worldly idols that we have, right? He's talking against materialism, well, celebrity culture. He's saying, take that stuff off, right? Um, he's talking about social media attention, vacations, political stances, take off wokeness. What do you have? You have nothing, right? You're ugly at the heart of it. And the way I would say it is that it's that sin is there. All the things that we try to use to cover ourselves up, at the heart of it, we find that sin is there and we're ugly, right? We miss the mark of who we're meant to be as Christians or as people. We miss the mark of who we're meant to be as an image, people made in the image of God. And through all of this, we're simply not meant who we're, we're not who we're meant to be. Like Billie Eilish and his audience were singing earlier, like, maybe I, maybe I, maybe I'm the problem, right? But in response to this, um, and taking pride in our outer clothing sometimes, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, chapter 3, verse 4, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the, eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal of persecutor of the church, as to righteous under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Okay. Like, because of this reality and this hope, I'm gonna, I'm, we're able to dig deep into our sin, right? Into our faults. So I'm going to channel my inner Kendrick Lamar and try to encourage you by making, personalizing what the takeoff lines that he said to our own church, right? Might be a little painful, but let's, let's go, okay? Um, I'm not going to wrap. <laughs> so it's, it's take off the degrees, right? Take off the achievements of your children. Take off your wealth, your income. Take off your job title, your retirement fund. Take off your children, your spouse, your family relationships that you take pride in. Take off your serving, your title at church, how much you tithe. Take off your house, your car, your career. 
take off your church. Take your, off your neighborhood, your last name. Take off your friendships. Take off your acquaintances. Take off your parents. Take off your Instagram likes, your TikTok views, your Facebook friends. Take off your knowledge, your library, your experience, your age. Take off your youth, your strength, right? Your health, your physical beauty. Take off your ethnicity, your gender, your sexual purity even. Take it off and like, what do you have, right? And we're ugly as sin, right? We don't have anything. We're just using the, all these things to cover ourselves up. And how is it that someone like that can wash someone else's feet, right? How is it that you and I can get down when I'm just as dirty as you are, worse, as far as I know, right? How can I get down into your toes when my toes are filthy, right? And, but for us as believers, that's not true, right? Like when we, for those who are in Christ, like I said earlier, we're washed white as snow. Because of our faith and what Christ has done, Christ dwells in us. Take it all off. And you know what we're going to find at the heart of it? We're going to find the heart of Christ. We're going to find the love of Christ in our own hearts. So that's an encouragement for us. Like take all these things off that we try to cover ourselves with, right? Expose ourselves to one another and be willing to find Christ in each other. Okay? When Christ takes, takes off his outer garment and shows himself, what do we see? We see at the heart of God, God is a servant, right? God is someone who's willing to get down, deal with sinners, work in their lives. He's willing to lay his life down, be sacrificial to the very end, to love his people to the very end. And the glory and the greatness of who God is is highlighted at the cross, okay? Um, Pastor and theologian John Stott wrote, the eternal result of Jesus' death is that God will be glorified forever. Grace comes from God. Glory is due to God. The whole of Christian theology is encapsulated in that epigram, right? Meaning that the whole, the, God's magnum opus is the gospel. It's Christ dying on the cross for us. And that is what we ought to delight in, right? This is where we get our life from. This is how we're cleansed, how we're fed, how we're, how we're not thirsty anymore. And Jesus' death on the cross is at the very center of the greatness of God. And what's so amazing is because of those who believe in him are saved together at the cross, we're ex- able to experience Christ together in this life through each other. Um, the Christ we experience most in this life is the Christ in the life of another brother or sister who speaks the word of Christ into your life, who are the hands of feet, in, hands of Christ of Christ to me, and extends the love of Christ in a felt and tangible and real way. Right? Conversely, the Spirit is most manifest in my life when I speak the word of Christ to another brother, when I'm the hands and feet. Um, to another brother and sister, and when my heart submits and is given over to the life that Christ has given me, that Christ is in me, and putting on the clothes of a servant, and get down on my hands and my knees to wash the feet of those she has bathed, that's what Christ has done for us in love. That's what we are called to do for one another. Okay. So loving and serving one another can seem such like a wearisome task, and it's difficult, but it is the greatest calling that we could ever have, right? It's something that's so amazing when we think about what path we were walking before we were saved, leading into hell, leading into many difficulties in life, but being saved from that and being, I skipped this, but being, 
leaving and then being able to be on this road, this noblest road that the world has ever known is such a privilege, right? And it's because of the gospel and because of what Christ has done for us. Um, it doesn't matter if the person is a Christian or not, we serve them. How do we know that? Jesus washed like Judas's feet, fully knowing what he was going to do and betray him. So don't be like shy in loving other people. Don't be too careful about that either. Because even when we get betrayed or hurt, that's when God is most glorified. The love of Christ shines the brightest. Christ was willing to go through that. Let's experience that and witness that as well. Um, in our church, are you washing the feet of others, right? Are your, are your own feet being washed? Um, who do you let wash your feet? Whose feet do we dare wash, right? Who do we let into our lives to speak the word of Christ, to be the hands and feet of Christ? Who do we let our fingers into their toes? Like, whose toes do we have? How am I saying this? Who, uh, it's so weird that I can't even, like, say it, right? <laughs> whose feet do we have our fingers in, Right? what, right? Who do we let do that for us? And it might just be, we might want, I'll just let my loved ones do this, but the way that Christ calls us, it's like the body of Christ, right? It's a church that is, does this. Um, so we who are a Christian, like, so we ought to allow ourselves to love this church and allow the church to love us. I mean, I love the social dynamics of the church. I love when people are serving. I love saying hi to people. I like trying to remember everyone's names. I love eating donuts, talking about life, joking about things. But more so, it's really understanding the depth of love that is really going on in this place, right? This is a place where the Spirit of Christ dwells, right? If in this, like, if in this building, it's only because he dwells in the heart of each of its members and each of the people here, right? And because we are in Christ, last point, it'll be short, the life we have is a life that serves. Let's go back to the first images. Um, that's Jesus washing sinners' feet. That should be us washing sinners' feet. Doesn't matter who they are, right? Um, it could be a cop, uh, someone's imprisoned. It could be Donald Trump, <laughs> or like even Joe Biden. I can't imagine how dirty his feet might be. Um, it, it might be like a, someone from the LGBTQ community. It could be someone who is indifferent and doesn't care and is on their phone all the time, right? And it could be Judas himself. It could be one of us as Christians. This is like what Christ has called us to. And it's not just Jesus Christ doing this for everyone. He calls the church to love their neighbors, to love one another as I have loved you. And when, as I brought up earlier, all the things I listed about racism, econo economic inequality, political systems, war, hate, um, God's solution is that people will be transformed by being united to Christ in his death and his resurrection, to all these problems, right? Sometimes we're trying to find, okay, what do we got? What's gonna work? What's gonna work? We gotta figure something out. We have gotta like make things work. But the reality is, as Christ has already, God has already offered a solution, and that's in Christ, okay? It might seem small again. It might look like it's someone washing people's feet. How's that gonna change the world? But that is the reality of what Christ has done for us and what we believe. And that's the call for the church to a world in need, is to be engaged, be open, vulnerable, be willing to get hurt, but share the gospel and the truth of what Christ has done for us. Um, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 reads, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me.
This is us, right? We have to know what Paul said personally as a church, that we collectively have been crucified with Christ. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us, right? The life that we now live in this life, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's the life of God living in our souls together as a body. So let's take off all the things that keep us from serving and loving each other and put on Christ, as it says in Romans chapter 13. Um, And to finish this, I mean, man, I'd, I'd speak up here once a year. It, it's, it's so stressful for me, right? Um, I admittedly, like, I was struggling with a sermon. It was a busy week. All the staff abandoned me. They were, like, on vacation. Like, it sucked. Um, there's a lot coming up in the fall, like, all the stuff. Like, you know, Esther was like, oh, we don't have an events list because I didn't put it out there because I didn't have time, right? Um, and... Even like the financial challenges we face as a church, like it's, it's stressful on staff a little bit, at least for me. Um, and even being speaking up here, there's so much layers of like baggage I have about like speaking or preaching that all this stuff starts coming out up to the surface. Um, there's like even the desire to like prove myself, show kids, oh, this is what I can do, right? But oh, whatever, like if you see how stressed I was, that wasn't like even real. Um, and, and right now with my family, there's like issues going on there. Um, there was like housing potential that was there that didn't work out. Um, there's difficulty in relationships and all this stuff compounding. And I found myself like so anxious this week and so far from God even. even far, it's so ironic, right? When you're preparing a sermon, you should be close to Jesus. But like, I felt so far from him. And often when I'm in that situation and I feel like I've just gone too far away from him, I'm reminded of a prayer by St. Augustine. And where he prays, you never go away from us, yet we have difficulty in returning to you. So, I mean, when I, that just hit me, I just got down on my knees and I started praying. And I asked Christ to wash my feet because that's what I'm speaking of today. Right? And I knew and I believed I was clean. I felt assured. I mean, I didn't like feel it, feel it, but I believed it. Right? And I sensed God, though, saying to me, um, I mean, was that enough? Like just believing in your mind that you're forgiven? Is that enough? Um, why not ask for help? Why not share with somebody else like what you're going through? And why not hear from someone else's lips or from a text message that I'm praying for you, I love you, you got this, right? Um, why not experience the love of Christ through another brother and sister? And for me, um, honestly, I didn't want to again. Like, I think I'm, I might just be a closed. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's closed. But like, I, I don't want people in my life so I want to be independent, but I, man, I'm preaching, just got to do it, right? I wanted the spiritual experience in my head to be enough, but it wasn't complete, and I knew it, right? So I messaged my brother, asked for prayer. I messaged some of the elders saying, can you pray for me? Like, this stuff going on, I feel anxious about these things. Um, my Emmaus group actually reached out to me and said, oh, you're preaching, how are things going? And tell them what's going on. Um, I realized I needed my feet to be washed. I mean, I needed to be in Christ. I needed to be in the body. So Augustine continues his prayer, and he says, Come, Lord, stir us up and call us back. Kindle and seize us. Be our fire and our sweetness. Let us love, let us run. And you know what? After doing all this stuff, it was good, right? I felt like I hear the word of God. I feel God's love in a church. And me having my feet washed, like, allows me to be up here and, like, collectively wash everyone's feet, my finger in your toes, right? And to some degree, or I'm hosing you down pretty much. Let's go that way. 
I mean, it allows me to collectively wash your feet, to encourage you with the love of Christ, to love one another as Christ has loved us. We encounter Christ in his love, like right now, okay, with each other, by this, and doing so, like by this, all people will know that we are his disciples. Okay? So come, Lord Jesus, stir us up and call us back. Kindle and seize us. Be our fire and our sweetness. Let us love and let us run. Amen.